0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, thank you, Pastor Dennis, and hey, welcome to One Church Steel. We're so stoked that you're here with us. Uh, I've got my ethically sourced coffee with me today, uh, only because I couldn't get to Starbucks before the gathering to order my tall, non flat latte with caramel drizzle or my grande ice sugar-free vanilla latte with soy milk. Or or my triple venti soy, no foam latte. I'm just having fun. I don't know if you like, if you have a favorite drink at Starbucks, go ahead and put it in the chat or Tim's or whatever. Put it in the chat right now. We're so glad you're here for week three of Generation Exceptional. And the idea behind this series is that we would be exceptional at accepting one another. Last week, we heard the call of the Apostle Paul to accept each other, say it with me, just as, just as Christ has accepted you. And of course, Christ accepts us in our brokenness and our imperfections and our mistakenness. I love that about Christ. He doesn't ask us to get ourselves all right and cleaned up and fixed up, but he accepts us just as we are. And Paul's calling us to accept each other that way. So this is a series to help us understand our generation and the generations that make up this church community so that we, when you understand people, you can better accept people. And that's the heart behind this series. So two weeks ago, Pastor uh, Keith Smith uh, led us in a, in a discussion about Boomers. And what a fantastic weekend that was. The whole worship, I, I knew every song they led in that that weekend. It was so good. It was just like my childhood. I remember going back into church in that era, in that moment. and And he really encouraged us to mentor and pray. Remember what he said, let's honor the generations that come before us and let's impact the generations that come after us. And through prayer and mentoring and empowering, what he was really talking about is he was calling Boomers, to resource the church. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, boomers are at a place where you've experienced and accumulated a lot of life experiences. You've been even through some very tough moments and you have found God has been faithful. And you've developed spiritual maturity through those moments. You've gotten career uh, knowledge that you've accumulated over the years. Uh, God has placed many things in your hands, maybe even financial stability. Well, this is the moment where, where maybe if we are at a dinner, family dinner table, you're like the grandparents at the table where we're saying, open your hands and just resource those next generations. You can't take all those experiences with you. Why not invest them in the people around you? All the wisdom you've accumulated over the years. So we're so happy. We're a multi-generational church and we honor our boomers. And then last week, we talked about Gen Xers. I'm I'm a Gen Xer, posing as a millennial today. But I'm an Xer. And remember, Xers, that our role is to kind of mentor. We're the middle children. If I could say anything to the Gen Xers that are listening to, the, to me right now, it's our turn to make this church not about us. <laughs> it's not about us. It's actually, we want to take care of those that are older than us and honor and respect them. And we want to empower and mentor those that are younger than us. And so we're, we're those middle children that want to develop really good ears to listen to the people around us and be hero makers. Remember, our life verse comes from Jeremiah. Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Instead, we are seeking really to, we are seeking to help great uh, great things to happen for older and younger generations. Now, this week, we want to talk to millennials, and the call to millennials is to lead. Now, who's a millennial? Well, if you're here at the top of the gathering, Pastor Dennis explained that a millennial is born between 1977 and 1995, so anywhere between the ages of 26 to 41 or 44 sorry got to do the math right you're you're a millennial now millennials are called millennials not just so much because of the turn of the century but in 9 911 shaped that experience shaped the millennial generation in westernized culture and it instilled a sense of insecurity and anxiety in that generation, but also, to some really, really good things. And now millennials make up the largest population in Canada. It's the largest generational cohort in our nation. They're the most influential one in the workplace. They're the most influential one in our communities and in the marketplace. To help us as a community better understand the millennial generation, I th- sat down with, to have a conversation with a great millennial leader. Listen to this. Well hi friends, I want to introduce you to one of my favorite, absolute favorite millennial leaders in Canada, uh, Elise Brower. Uh, Elise and I had an opportunity to meet each other and become a bit of friends working on a project together and this Gen Xer just fell in love with her heart, her skill, her mind. Uh, Elise pastors in British Columbia along with her husband Christian and so I want to welcome her to One Church CEO. Hey, welcome to our church family.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. It's so good to be with you guys. And this millennial really has enjoyed working with you on the things that we've worked on in the past. Um, I, I think the world of you guys there, I love what you guys do. I've been following some of your series online. So it's great to join you guys today.
0: Uh, Thanks, Elise. Well, uh, you're talking to all the generations here at this church. We're a multi-generational church, and I would like you to specifically talk to our generations about maybe what, what it is about millennials we should know. What makes you different, and what should we be aware of with the millennial generation?
1: First things first, we're not actually that young. Um, I think sometimes people have this idea of millennials in their heads. You know, they're, they're 20-somethings or, or you know, late 20-somethings living in their parents' basement or whatever. There's kind of this stereotype or caricature out there of, of what millennials are. But in reality, there are some millennials that are actually in their 40s. Mm. Um, you know? And so actually this stereotype of, you know, these young kind of people who are bumming off their parents or, 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 you know, young people who are still kind of trying to find their way. I mean, that's not really accurate. Um, A lot of millennials have families or they're starting families, they're settling down. Um, Many of them have been in the workforce for over a decade, uh, and a lot of them are in positions to be leading in in significant positions in their workplaces or their churches. There's also this idea that millennials just aren't coming to church. I mean, there's lots of reports out there about how millennials and the millennial generation in general is becoming a whole lot less religious Uh, I think if they say that four and ten are are not four and ten go to church or four and ten aren't going to church Um, and while there is a pattern of of decline in terms of church attendance I don't think that's the full story when it comes to Millennials and religion dr. Joel Thiessen who is a sociologist at Ambrose University And he he's done studies on on how younger people relate to the church. Um, he said when people join religious groups, they join because of the community that they have with others, even before they understand or embrace the particular beliefs or behaviors of that group. And I think that really speaks to the millennial heart um, It speaks to this relationality, this priority of relationship. Um, for millennials i've worked with young adults for a while now and so that includes some gen Z but but it, for a long time it's it's been mostly millennials um and I, I think i really see that before people you know start to subscribe to uh not even subscribe to but before they start to really dig in deeper to the bible or dig in deeper to god's word they really are looking for that sense of belonging that sense of you know i i can be myself here right, i'm, I'm right. this sense of connection. What I hear over and over again from young adults that start attending our church is uh that they love, you know, the fact that it feels like family. It feels like a place where they they belong and and people ask them, you know how they are. They they connect with them. There are older people who really take the time to invest in their lives and 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 be involved in their lives. Um, and so that makes a huge difference. Um, that makes a really big difference. That relationality. I think that also speaks to the social justice, right? You know, the social justice factor. I think millennials. It's funny because I think millennials get a bad rap sometimes for being, you know, they get disparaged or mocked sometimes for being like social justice warriors or, or keyboard or whatever, right? right like, right. but behind all of that, I think there's this really, this heart of compassion. I think there's this heart and this heart of care and concern uh, for the people that lie behind a lot of the issues that we're discussing.
0: Well, Elise is describing some uh, value of the millennial generation that I think is not only just biblical, it's so healthy. Uh, the millennial generation is a people first generation. They're people first generation. Uh, they elevate words like uh, community and inclusivity are not buzzwords to millennials. They're aspirational goals for them. And it's not that Xers and builders and boomers didn't value people. It's just we tended to have elevate institutions. So the love of country would supersede the love of a person that might be being left behind. Or the love of an institution or even a church uh, would, would, uh, would eclipse that of a care of the individual. And millennials just aren't wired that way. Now millennials are sliding into leadership positions. As Elise mentioned, they're not that young. They're already emerged, and they're sliding into leadership positions. Uh, let me mention a, a three famous uh, global uh, millennials. One is uh, Sebastian Kurtz. Uh, he was the youngest leader of a nation at age 31. He was elected as the chancellor of Austria, and he, he led that at age 31. Young man. <laughs> There's 37-year-old Mark Zuckerberg, and of course, many of you guys would know who he is, but he oversees a $46 billion company. He runs it, wow, incredible. Uh, there's there's uh, iconic entertainers like Beyonce Knowles Carter, who is uh, already at age 39, one of the best-selling musicians of all time. Millennials have already emerged, they're already in leadership. Now, on the weekends, you see a lot of this Gen Xer, or Pastor Keith Smith, uh, who's a, who's a boomer, and you'll see a lot of us uh, uh, participating in gatherings like this. We have a multi-generational staff. We have boomers, we have uh, we have um, uh, millennials, and we have Gen Zs on our staff. But we have a team on our staff called the Directional Leadership Team, and they oversee the ministries and the staff of this church. Uh, they're they're a key team that help forge forward uh, One Church TO, and they're made up of millennials. I'm the only Xer on that team. There's a uh, Pastor Matt Smith and Pastor Matt oversees all of our gatherings. So, you know, he works with the production team, the music teams, as well as the teaching team. And he orchestrates and prepares and connects. Like, if you enjoy our digital environments or our physical gatherings, a lot of it has to do with his leadership. Uh, Jerry Sen Jerry Sin, what an incredible leader. Jerry runs all of our digital efforts at this church. He also does all of the outreach and Love Army, and he oversees Pastor Dan, who oversees missions, and uh, he's a fantastic millennial leader. And then uh, maybe less familiar to some of you, because he's only been with us this last year, Ziad Alibuni. And Ziad is our operations team leader. And again, a millennial who oversees our facility and finances and HR and all the resources of this church. Uh, What a... Capable, capable team. Now, you see a little question mark there, and that's because uh, today I want to announce a new pastor joining our staff in October. Reverend Jessica Collins is going to be joining our staff team. You heard uh, Pastor Jessica uh, speak in the spring this year. And again, uh, she'll be the youngest, actually, of this team, our millennial team. She and her husband Skip and their three children will be moving to the GTA and pray for them as they do. Uh, But there's Max, there's Kennedy, and Summer, and this is Skip. And they're moving to the GTA to join our team to be a part of the directional leadership team of this church moving forward. Now, these four leaders, uh, Pastor Matt, Jerry, Zied, and Pastor Jessica, are millennial leaders. And I've known them all for a fair amount of time now. I've seen these leaders under incredible pressure. And I've just marveled at their resilience, their determination, their creativity. Well, one of the things I love about the people I get to work with is... Their purity of heart, their love for the kingdom, and their love for this church, and I've watched all four of them sacrifice in ministry. And I'll tell you, if the future of the church is in hands of millennial leaders like this, we're in good hands, friends. We're in good hands. Now, as millennials lead, whether it's in the corporate world or countries or even in the church, inevitably this means that change follows, right? And I think if you're an Xer or a Boomer or a Builder, we already know the world has changed. There's been a. Fast forward button on, especially even through COVID. Things have changed dramatically during this season. I think we understand that. And also that the church has been changing with us. It was a Greek philosopher who said this that change is the only constant. Now we know when you open the pages of scripture and it explains and it reveals who God is. We can see in the book of Hebrews that it says of Jesus that he's the same yesterday, today, forever. In the older parts of the Bible, God reveals himself to his people and he says, I, the Lord your God, do not change. God is the only being that doesn't change. Everything else changes. Sometimes the friction I've seen happen between generations is when one generation doesn't understand that times have changed. And they're, they're holding on with, with a determined will to what was and inst- and not and then being unable to embrace what what could be what could be each generation and i'm the same i'm a gen xer we all know 80s music is the best kind of music that ever happened and so you know that i want that for everyone listen i have a millennial and a gen z in my house and i want them to love what i love I want them to value what I value. I want them to see the world as I saw the world. I want them to run the churches I ran the church. <laughs> but the world that this Gen Xer grew up in doesn't exist anymore. There's a nostalgic residue. I mean, the music, I can still listen to an oldie station, and I'm going to hear some 80s songs and 90s songs. Uh, you know, there's great stories and memories. But, but that era I grew up in, it no longer exists. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that that era didn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't mean that it wasn't important, and it certainly doesn't mean that I can't contribute in this present era, not at all. The era that the boomers or the builders grew up in mattered a lot. I say with great regularity to this church community, we all stand on the shoulders of those who've come before us. But we need to remember, just like a 1950s church looked nothing like a first century church, drastically different. If first century Christians showed up in a 1950s church in Canada or anywhere in the world, they'd be going like, what's going on here? And just like that, a 2020s church won't look at all like a 1970s church or a 1980s church. It's it's a times of change. Things change. And every time, and you know if you've been around one church, I love history. Every time the church has gotten stuck, or maybe gotten distracted a little bit, it enters into what historians call, or theologians call, a season of reformation. Reformation. So you can go throughout church history, and you'll see many reformational moments. And in fact, every reformation uh, le- has led to some form of disruption. Every reformation does. Because the church has to let go of something it was doing, a way of thinking, a way of practicing, a way- some realities. And this is sometimes hard. In fact, yesterday, I was, I was walking uh, our dog. Our, my son bought a dog and, during COVID, and she's a little puppy, and man, she's naughty, but I love her. Her name's Luna, and I was out walking her late at night, and I called my sister, Lynn, who uh, sold their house during COVID and moved to another part of the country, uh, one of those COVID moves, and she was just reflecting on, you know, they're visiting churches and uh, going around trying to find a home church, and she was just reflecting how sad it was. It was filled with seniors, and there were all churches that were part of our movement, the movement we belong to. And she said it was like walking back in time, and all the future generations were missing. Well, friends, it takes a special gift to understand the signs and the times, in fact there's a little verse in the Old Testament, it's almost a footnote type verse, just kind of nestled in the back part of the uh, of the older part of the Bible, and it describes a, a particular type of person that was adept at understanding the times and making adjustments. It says this: From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders who understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. I mean that's a gift To understand the signs of the times. So what are the signs of the times? What are millennials having to grapple with as they lead in this chapter of the church? Well, society has changed from when I grew up. And when I grew up, much has changed. They're in a more hostile environment when it comes to faith. In fact, when surveyed, uh, 47% of Christian millennials said that evangelism is wrong. And evangelism, if you're new to the church, is just basically telling others about Jesus. Now, why would 47% of them, percent of them say it was wrong? Now, you could look at that and say, man, this millennial generation. No, no. There's a bigger narrative happening. Why do they say it's wrong? Because 60% of adults say sharing your faith is a form of extremism. They're in a culture and world where, in my generation, it was like maybe faith was irrelevant to some people. Now it's considered Hostile. So they're in an environment where sharing their faith sounds hostile. especially particularly the ways we've done it in the past. So the ways my generation did it, maybe the generations before me, were more proclamational in nature. We declared truth. We confronted with truth. We had a, a, a sea of apologists that would explain and confront with truth, and that would lead to maybe a transformational moment. Well, that doesn't work in this culture. It's not large events that are confrontational. It's not even the impersonal transactional uh, moments of like uh, finding a track on the subway. If you don't know what a track is, maybe that's good for you. I don't know. Uh, Here's what it means. Millennials understand the signs and the times. They understand we're in a world that's saying, listen to me. Understand with me. Don't talk at me. Talk with me. And this means that some shifts and the way churches operate it, and the way we reach people happens with millennials. And I've learned so much about our culture and world from the millennials that mentor me. And one of the things I've noticed is that the church is moving from a place of proclamation to conversation. Proclamation to conversation. Millennials get this, that it's not about declaring truth. It's about understanding people where they're at and then earning the right to have a conversation with them. This is why Alpha is such a big emphasis at our church because it's a kind of place where people can come non-judgmentally, ask any questions they might have about the faith, and in that context of respect, in that context of no judgment, uh, that's where they have an opportunity even to discover and explore the ideas of who God is and who Jesus is. Now, I love this about millenn- the millennial generation because I think, I think it's a lot like Jesus. I don't know if Jesus was a millennial. Uh, I I don't think he would have had this hat on, but, but he had some millennial values here. If you notice as you read the gospel... It's littered with all of these intimate conversations that Jesus has, and they're filled with such respect. The woman at the well, um, the, the Nicodemus in the, under the cloak of darkness coming to him, and him building a bridge to Nicodemus so that truth could pass over. But in the context of respect and no judgment, what, a, what an incredible example we have in the person of Jesus. There's also a shift uh, from institutional to relational. Institutional, relational. Now, in my generation growing up, there was less skepticism about the church, the organized church. So there was some respect for the institution. So when you would invite someone maybe to church, (laughs) there was a sense of respect and maybe uh, a a, a doorway into somebody's life experience. Now it's more readily going to happen relationally. And, you know, I think I love this shift. Again, I think in the piece of person of Jesus, you see how he valued relationship over institution in that when he interacted with those who ran the institutions of their day, the Sadducees who ran the temple uh, experience and administrated that, or the Herodians who ran the, the centers of power and business and commerce of that day, when the institutions oppressed or marginalized people, uh, those are moments where Jesus would call them out a little bit like millennials uh, this people first idea kept resonating in the person of Jesus there's also a shift moving from the moving from explanation to experience From explanation to experience. So the idea is simply this. In my generation, we had apologists. It was about explaining who Jesus is. It was the four spiritual laws. Uh, It was all of these different methodologies we had about explaining Jesus. One of the things that excites me most about millennials, when they're surveyed, statistically, they're so open to spiritual experiences. Very open, more than other generations, quite an uptick from Xers, boomers, and builders. They're very open to a spiritual experience. Now, why does that excite me? Because I'm a Pentecostal pastor. Now, for some of you, you're like, what do you mean by Pentecostal? Maybe you're new here. Listen, you know, one of the things that marks us as Pentecostals is we believe in the power and presence of the living God right now, right here, in this moment. He can break into our everyday with this moment of of his presence. And, And you had these experiences as you get to know God. So I feel like as a church, we're uniquely positioned to reach millennials as we lean into actually who we are. Many good things coming this fall around that. And then the last thing is just an emphasis from an individual to in community. Now, what do I mean about that? Well, Millennials are happy to have conversations one-on-one with their friends and colleagues in the context of a non-judgment, well-listened, understanding, and gracious uh, exchange of ideas. But what they really long for, and this is kind of the data plays us out. It's fascinating, but I think it's biblical. That, you know, we don't do evangelism devoid of the body of Christ. That would be like cutting off your arm and the body's over here and you're out here doing something else. No, it's meant to be in community, a family. Paul talks about it, that when we become followers of Jesus, we're adopted into a family. It's like we pull up a chair and, and grampy and granny are there. And mom and dad are there and our brothers and sisters are there. Well, millennials want a safe community to invite their friends, colleagues, and others too. And that means, that means that, uh, you know, it would be like when I brought a friend home from high school, my parents just accepted them at the dinner table. They weren't judging them by the way they looked, their culture, Who they identified as, what their orientation was, they valued them as a human being and in relationship. See, the culture we live in right now is a belong before you believe culture. And millennials want safe places for their friends to land so they can find a sense of belonging before they actually experience believing. Now, why do I share this with you? Because we need to understand as millennials lead and continue to lead us that they're trying to lead into a world that is very different from many of what many of us have experienced. I'm really excited about next week's message too when we talk about Gen Z. We have a, a couple of people coming in to speak on it. It's going to be fantastic. You're not going to want to miss that very unique generation. But two things that I think values that flow out of this millennial generation that we need to grab hold of no matter what generation we're from, is simply this. And I'm going to start with the lower one first. Millennials want collaboration without agitation. Uh, They're not looking for more drama in the church or anything else. They're looking for collaboration. And what I mean by that, and I think, you know, when I look at our directional leadership team, it so comes out of them over and over. They want to collaborate with other churches other organizations, it's not about us as a church being a hero church. It's us as a church being a hero-making church. That we are actually fast-forwarding other churches around us. We're collaborating with, you know, Young Street Mission and other organizations in our city for the welfare of the city. So they, they want collaboration without like a lot of a lot of uh, agitation, a lot of uh, hurdles to jump over, and even cross-denominationally, just that we could be followers of Jesus together. And this speaks to this value here. Millennials want unity in community. Now, if you're a millennial, unity requires, it's, it's work to get unity because there's a lot of relational hygiene that has to happen to have unity. It's not always easy, but I love this value in millennials, and I'm gonna say grab onto this and hold onto this Because unity always precedes a spiritual awakening. So I know every generation. I know if you're a boomer watching this or a builder, if you're an Xer, if you're a Gen Z or a millennial, we all want to have a spiritual awakening. Well, unity precedes a spiritual awakening. Jesus told us that in John chapter 17. He said this, I pray that they may be one. As a father and I are one so that the world may know. So we call ourselves One Church to because we're one church and mission. Five generations, one mission. We are, we are 70, over 70 nationalities, but we're one church. We are two different campuses, a digital and a, and a physical campus, but we are one church and mission together. And it's that unity that precedes this awakening moment in the, in the world and in the kingdom, around, uh, kingdom of God in our city of Toronto. Now, so here, here's a question. How do boomers and Xers and Gen Z relate to millennials? Elise is going to help us with that. What would you hope that maybe the boomers that are listening, what would you hope that they would know about you guys? And what would you hope Xers would know? Or even Gen Z that's following you, which is very different from you guys. What, what would you wish, wish they would know about millennials?
1: I think it's really important for boomers to know we're not looking to start a hostile takeover. <laughs> it might feel like that. You know, it might feel like that as millennials. Sometimes, you know, I, I know that we millennials, we can be really passionate about what we're passionate about. Mm. Um, and, and I think also it's important that we're given the space to be able to do um, what, you know, what we feel is, is, is the right call or what we feel is wisest to do in the season that we're living in. Um, that space is important as well because we're not necessarily looking to be told what to do. We're looking to be guided. I, I would say to Gen Xers, I think it's similar. I think you know we need mentorship. We need uh, people who are willing to champion us and and invite right. us to the table. Uh, a lot of Gen Xers are are starting to fill those. They're in leadership positions, like yourself, Jonathan. Right, right. Um, where you can bring bring millennials to the leadership table. You can, you know, invite them uh, and help them to get the experience they need for later on, or, or even mentor them for the roles that they're in right now. Um, I think that's really important um, at, for Gen Xers to be uh, really, to be champions for millennials. Yes. I think that's yeah. something that we would really love.
0: What do you wish Gen Z would know about millennials?
1: I don't know that we've been very good at paying attention to the generations that come after us just because we focused on those positions of influence, those roles of influence at, you know, the leadership tables that maybe we felt like we should have, but we don't have. Um, But actually, one thing that I would say is to Gen Z, this is your time to create, to try things, to do things a little differently and to help shape the future. Um, so please do that because we need that. Um, but one thing I do love, and I, and I do want to say this, uh, one thing I love about us millennials is that we we really value mentorship as a whole. As a whole, we love mentorship. We really value it. We think it's important. We love investing in people's lives. And what I would really love to see as a whole is, is us as millennials dialoguing, and even now starting to mentor and be mentored by Gen Z. Like, let's not wait until we're in our, you know, 50s and 60s and our 30s and, and late right. 20s. Right? Like, let's not wait. Like, let's start that now.
0: I love those words of Elise. Let's start that now. So millennials, uh, let this excerpt just talk to you for a minute. And I want to encourage you to, to walk into places of service and leadership in our church community. We need you and we want you. And I know I'm speaking to builders and boomers and Gen Z and I know there's no retirement in the kingdom. So I know many of you will continue to serve and lead in our church community. It takes all generations pulling together a mission. But we need your voice, millennials, because uh, you're living in this world right now and you, you are the men of Issachar for us right now. You understand the times and the signs. And we love you and we want you to be part of our community. Uh, so help us know God love people and impact this city.